Welcome to the At The Coalface podcast with your host, Jason Greenwood. This podcast is all about what it's really like in the trenches of digital and e-commerce. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Pod. It's my pleasure to welcome Cam Richardson from Pay Squad to the episode today. Welcome, Cam. Great to be here. Thanks, Jason. Mate, it's awesome to have you. And what's cool about this is I think I could be wrong, but just thinking back across my hundred and I think two podcast episodes now, I think you are the very first Kiwi tech player that I've ever had on the podcast. So you've got the dubious distinction of being the first uh, first Kiwi on the pod, I'm I'm pretty sure. Wow, there we go. Hey, it was so, it was worth the move. It's awesome. It's really good. Uh, it's uh, it's really good to have you here. And just to give everybody a little bit of an intro, we we met over LinkedIn, and you've had a, a really eclectic background. Just looking across your background of entrepreneurship, and some of the things you've done in your short career, your short but sweet career so far. You know, you've been in sales and marketing. You've been in tourism. You've been in tech. You've been in entrepreneurship. And now, for nearly two years now, you're the founder and CEO of. Pay Squad, which is if I want to join up with my sister and we want to buy something really cool on a website for our mother for Mother's Day or for her birthday, you're effectively your payment system. You're a fintech platform and your system would allow that. We, we would be able to jointly pay for that product on an e-commerce website. Yeah, that's exactly right. And really, one of the things that we realize is that process right now happens really in, mostly in the shadows. So right now, if you were to do that, you would say, hey, sister, here's here's my bank account number. Can you please transfer me some money? I'll then go make the purchase. And it exists in the shadows, as I said. And, and so for the merchant, they have no idea that there's been a collaboration as a part of this. We When we really analyze the problem, it, it used to be, hey, group payments are hard. Which is true, which is still true. But I think really to encapsulate our vision with Pay Squad, we looked a bit broader. And so our problem statement now is that payment gateways and point of sale systems around the world are optimized for single consumer transactions, despite a growing number of group payments. And really because of this, the group payment process can be quite chaotic and merchants are actually missing out on harnessing the benefits and potential of this payment method. I can't believe that you're the first to think of this. It's so surprising because there's been innovation in so many other parts of the fintech and payments space, all the way from crypto, all the way to NFTs, all the way to BNPL services and payment wallets and near field communication driven payments and, and mobile payments. We, we've got so much innovation happening in the space. And yet no one has ever come up with this before, at least that I'm aware of. I've never come across anything like what you guys are doing right now. Are you guys, as far as you're aware, you're the first to ever come up with this? It's, I think VC firms or investors hate to hear that, right? Oh, we have no um, competition. But really, I, when I look over the the state of um, you know what's gone in the past, we see a lot of different examples. But really, they've focused mostly just on facilitating the group dynamic, and they've left merchants completely out of the equation. And to my knowledge, we're really the first first group to really be going after that and saying, hey, we're actually merchant centric with our solution, but we will be facilitating it with the with the group. Uh, of consumers. And I, I think because of that, you rightly, you mentioned my, my background, it's like all over the place. But it, it was in looking at this and saying, 
hey, this is a problem I feel really strongly about. But secondly, that the, the current solutions out there are not, are not up to standard for me. And secondly, the, the you know, entire market forces right now or like everything that's happening in the world is really pushing things towards e-commerce, really pushing things towards uh, payment innovation and fintechs. And I've, yeah, on the other end of my e-commerce journey than you are, Jason, in terms of just getting started, just getting the feet wet. But from what I can see already, I'm loving it. That is amazing. That is truly amazing. I absolutely love digital. I love e-com. I love tech. I love fintech. I absolutely love the fact that there is the opportunity still with all of the innovation that has happened, the COVID-fueled innovation that has happened over the last nearly two years now, there is still these massive gaps in the market. And you guys have been running right pretty much since the beginning of COVID. That's about how old you are. And I wonder, did the advent of COVID push you over the edge and push you into this as you saw e-commerce start to explode and you saw what was on the horizon? Or was this more of a scratch and itch scenario where you went, shit, I would love to be able to do these group payments for family, for friends, for gifts overseas, et cetera, et cetera. Or was it just, hey, I see a gap here. I think we can take out this gap and I'd love to bootstrap and get something up and running to, to deal with this problem. That's a great question. And really, it was a combination of things. I myself have always been a bit of a prolific payer or and you know, it really started in, in uni days when I felt wrong showing up to someone's 21st, like a really significant birthday with what I could afford, which at the time would have been probably a mug or a t-shirt. And so what I would do is be like, right, I know a lot of my other mates are going to be in the same situation of not knowing what to get. If we combine our, our purchase, we can actually get them something that they'll really want. Because we, we live in an age where if you want something that's within the normal affordability you just go get it for yourself like you don't really need to wait for an occasion or anything like that and so i did this a lot but we really had mixed uh experiences with it i, I distinctly remember one time it was a, a friend's girlfriend was putting some money together for an iphone and she ended up having to pay a lot more than she really originally anticipated but the deadline was coming out really close and, and she just felt so dejected and it, and it really struck a chord with me that such a altruistic goal had come short because of the the methodology that we were using and so that was one core component the second one was getting a, a glimpse into the b2b to c the buy now pay laters predominantly and that whole revenue model, that business model struck a chord in me. There was like, I, I realized just as probably a lot of people do is like, how on earth does Afterpay make money if, I've, if I'm buying a $400 snowboard and I'm paying it in four installments of $100? Like, how on earth are they making money? And I realized, okay, I did a bit of research and was like, oh, wow. The companies like the, the retailers are spending anywhere from three to five, even sometimes more percent to have that functionality at their checkout. And then I thought, wow, they're willing to give up that much, but not only give that up, but also have it broadly plastered on their like physical stores and on their e-commerce side and everything. And something about that just leapt in me. And I was like, that actually probably needs to be, that could be the very solution for group payments that, that we've been looking for. The third thing, as you rightly say, was COVID. Just going right in March 2020, when we incorporated, we were looking at the, uh, the stats and the projections of it 
growing of e-commerce growing five years in development in just a, sh a few short months and we thought hey that'd be a great place to be a part of i can completely uh, empathize with that and i tell you as someone who's worked in the space for quite a while i i've never quite seen the the frenzy of demand around the e-commerce space for all of the technology all of the enablements all of the integrations it really has become quite insane in the space and it is slowly starting to calm down a little bit now it is still pretty pretty nuts but it is i guess the world is st slowly starting to come to the realization someone needs to tell our prime minister but everyone else in the world seems to be coming to the realization that the world is going to have to figure out how to live with covid now and it's here to stay and it's endemic and so that's taken maybe a little bit of the wind out of the sails of the e-commerce insanity that was happening before but it's still at an elevated level and i think we've found a new base for e-commerce and so mm. that that tells me when you look at shopify's earnings report that that came out and they're still showing insanely strong strong growth their earnings came out yesterday and when you start looking at the earnings reports of not only the platform vendors but the fintechs and everything else that this new normal this new level of e-commerce is here to stay maybe it's not maybe we, we didn't leap ahead 10 years as we originally it was originally looking like we would <laughs> maybe we've leapt ahead five years but we've definitely leapt ahead into a degree and that is going to become the new base and as you rightly point out customers are looking for new payment solutions that are easier they're more friction and they're lower cost and so hmm. it feels like you're meeting a whole lot of those experiential expectations in one fell swoop and if we think about the actual tech itself that you've built and are building what e-commerce now i'm guessing and, and correct me if i'm wrong here you plug you would plug into e-commerce platforms just like any other payment gateway would and you, so you would plug into a, an e-commerce platform exactly like an afterpay or a zip or anything else except for i guess the one question that leaps to mind for me is are you like a, a bnpl service in that you pay the merchant the whole amount up front and then you chase the squad for the payments and then effectively charge interest if they don't pay or whatever the case may be or do you effectively create a draft order at that point in those e-commerce platforms and then once all the payments are collected by you then you trigger off the the finalization of the actual order great question i think we're starting with the second the latter option that you were saying and moving towards that first one as well it, within the, the group payment dynamic one of the things that is so exciting about it is the chaos of it is of seeing of which how you can actually optimize for it and actually capitalize on some of the things within it so initially what we've been talking about when validating with with large merchants we've been talking about the possibility of saying hey your normal time of being in cart is let's say six hours what happens if we stretch that out to three days or to five days how does and and in products where there's not much scarcity involved what would that mean to you and we've been getting different uh, responses of that. But what it allows us to do is actually have a non-refundable part of the group payment uh, that goes through. So that, in effect, merchants uh, using our, our platform can actually earn money for basically for putting those items to the side, even if the group payment doesn't go through 100%. Now, of course, what we're going to be doing is pushing that group payment to go to, to obviously deliver the full value to our merchant partners and also to give the group the great experience. But that's just an example of how it could how it could be moved. Now, for like uh, items of scarcity and, you know, in the future, we're looking really at things like event and concert tickets, buying those together, uh, tourism, group spending, some of these sort of things where there's scarcity really inbuilt into the model. That's when we're going to have to go to the guarantee it upfront, pay the merchant upfront, and, and then have effectively what we call the organizer 
underwrite the entire group purchase. And then we basically help them get their squad to, to contribute towards it. Does, does that make sense? Makes complete sense. I really love That was a really elegant way that you described that. Now, what e-commerce platforms as of right now, as of the 29th of October, 2021, which e-commerce platforms do you have an out-of-the-box integration with? We're, we're quite quite early on, but right now we've we've got a couple that we're developing for, a couple of retailers that are representing about 300 million in GMV who are on uh, bespoke platforms. Now, this has been really part of our desire to really have a, a solid merchant partner that we can compare things with, that we, we can talk to about some of these little pain points and some of the things. And that's really who we're um, developing our, our APIs for. Following that, we really are going to be going 100% into lining up plugins and just going for it, starting with the likes of Shopify uh, and Magento, are, are two, of the, two of the ones there, as well as big commerce as well, eventually down the line. Sounds amazing. Now, I guess for me, when I start thinking about the ease of building this into something like a Magento or a PrestaShop or pretty much any self-hosted e-commerce solution, that becomes a much more viable approach simply because your gateway can modify when it's installed, when the app effectively is installed or in the Magento world, the extension is installed, then it can modify the core code and it can modify those timeout timings for things like in cart it can create things like draft orders it can do all sorts of things that you mm -hmm. simply do not have access to in a SaaS world and so for me i'm i'm wondering if for example the magento integration might have both models available whereby the merchant decides whether they get paid up front and therefore they maybe take a little bit more of an expensive gateway hit a percentage hit on that versus waiting around for all the payments to be made before the order is finalized and maybe on magenta you're able to offer both of those options whereas i'm thinking and, and correct me if i'm wrong here it feels very much like on the SaaS platforms you're going to have to go the first route which is we're going to have to pay you up front we're going to have to finalize that order and then we're going to have to effectively underwrite or get the initial buyer to underwrite that purchase because you can't, you just don't have that level of control when you're looking at the, if you're looking at the Shopify payments API, or if you're, even if you're looking at the big commerce checkout and payments API, you're just so locked down. It's a PCI mm. compliant checkout that you just don't have virtually any control over in terms of the way the back end operates. That's exactly right. And, and further down the line, we see uh, part of the thing, and this is already happening a lot in the buy now, pay laters, we do see there being the chance to do a full integration with the likes of uh, Stripe, have a, a partnership. I've set up there, which allows it to be implemented really quick. I know Stripe and Klarna just did a just a deal for that sort of thing. And if we're really to just cast out the net on that one, that would be where we're working towards. But you're absolutely right. There's just some uh, platforms right now that are too locked down. And so what it would be is just creating for merchants for those for the sort of service and then basically explaining exactly how it's going to be advantageous. And then I guess you could have two, you're going to have effectively two fee structures. It's going to be, there's going to be multiple inputs to how a merchant pays you at that point, because on a platform where they might have the option as a merchant to say, Hey, I, I want to wait until all the payments are received before we trigger off the, the order completion. And the other one, I want to be paid straight out by pay squad. Then maybe they pay more, for example, when they get paid out straight away as a percentage gateway fee with you guys, as a percentage of the, of the total cart value. And maybe with the secondary one they they pay a slightly reduced fee because your risk is lower therefore their risk is lower therefore but the cost or the risk assessment for you guys uh, is lower and therefore you, you don't have to have a bigger buffer in there to cover your backside if you can't ultimately collect off the person who is the underwriting that purchase that's exactly right and i think it really gets into that whole uh, fee structure 
uh, question. And one of the things we're really excited about is not being uh, as much of a burden on merchants because when, when we're not uh, extending lines of credit, we can definitely have a much better per transaction and, and per payment. But equally, when there is the sort of underwriting, and there's a few really interesting things we're looking at into that right now, which don't involve credit in ways that we can ensure that in the event that there's an organizer who's purchase this whole thing and is hoping that it has 10 friends that come on and none of them do that they'll still be able to to get that that get that item or not lose out entirely and we're, we're pretty excited about that one of the one of the finance companies the open finance companies here that we're working with is Akahu to develop on their platform to also allow for like really efficient bank account transfers so right now most people in, in New Zealand when they make a bank like an account to account transaction it is through the likes of poly or account to account that sort of thing and it is quite a, quite a cumbersome experience whereas with with akahu you basically have it right built in and allows those sort of contributions to be made lightning without having to go through and, and enter heaps of details every time and that would be part of the pay squad account as well Great. Now, when we think of the customer experience side of things, obviously this, I've seen the sort of screenshots and the mock-ups on your website looks real nice. It's effectively a, a mobile app type of environment, but obviously there's two components to this. There's the there's the point of sale or uh, UX and UI, which obviously has to be built into that checkout, that seamless checkout workflow on an e-commerce website. And I'm sure you, you've looked at the afterpays of the world and the other payment gateways to say, hey, how can we effectively tweak these standard checkout workflows and payment workflows to take into account all the information, the extra fields we need to gather? For example, I'm guessing that when you set up your pay squad, you've got to, when you're nominating the people that are going to contribute, you've got to give things like a cell phone number and an email address so that you can SMS them and so that you can email them that they've been pulled into this transaction. And I'm guessing that on the squad side, so not the person who's doing actually doing the checkout but if i've been added to a, a pay squad then i'm guessing that i might get like an sms and or an email that has a hyperlink in it that that either i can go directly to your web platform via a browser and, and pay my share or i'm guessing that i could also download your mobile app and therefore i can see all of the pay squads that i've initiated and all the pay squads that i'm a part of and i can make payments directly through the mobile app i'm, I'm guessing but Again, that's my assumption based on how some of these other apps work. Is that what you have envisaged for your platform? It is. And listening to your other podcast, Jason, I'm always impressed at your ability to just like wrap other people's businesses so well and, and wrap them up so succinctly. And that what you've laid out there is effectively our maybe our stage one and stage two strategy. Stage one being, hey, it's all URL based in which there's an organizer. So really in our terminology, we've got the organizer who makes an anchor payment that says, hey, something's going here. From there, they then share it just purely by link to a number of uh, contributors. <clears throat> and there's no, no reason for them to say, hey, there's going to be 10. They don't have to tell us anything like that. It's basically open season. And when you think about through your phone, just the native share functions that are built into the operating systems, that's what's going to be leveraged. So they can share that, that hyperlink through, through Snapchat, through Instagram, through Facebook Messenger, whatever their group naturally already is on, they can they we can facilitate that. The stage two is certainly then creating what would probably be called something like a social payments platform or a multiplayer payments pl platform in which it is app-based. We do celebrate the fact that you've contributed to this many things and you've organized this many things. And also even looking into sort of the affiliate route even of having card issuing in the background as well. Uh, there's so many directions. Loyalty. Sorry to interrupt, but, I, but I'm thinking you just immediately triggered this off in my head. You can also have loyalty associated with that. 
Absolutely. It's, you can see why I'm getting a little excited about this sort of uh, thing and, and why I'm uh, dedicating this part of my career to, to chasing it. It's, there is so much scope for this. And really what we're aiming to do is, is usher in a new era of multiplayer commerce. And that's really our, that's really our tagline because we think group payments are a great force for good in the world and also just lead to more sustainable purchases, both from the people contributing. They're not going into debt or, or impulsively getting things, but equally like they're able to uh, afford more sustainable products as well. Some of the higher price, maybe some local goods, that sort of thing. Uh, and that really fires us up. So you're absolutely right. The it is definitely something that we're, we're looking at in the future and, and even partnering with the likes of, of Carted one day, yeah. Mike, if you're listening, yeah, <laughs> uh, <absolutely>. to, <laughs> to, to roll out because we love what they're doing as well. And there, there's so much that's happening in this space. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. And I'm guessing that you are starting initially with, in the New Zealand regulatory environment, you're starting with NZD, you're perhaps starting with New Zealand-based merchants because those foundation merchants as that test and learn phase, because you're based in New Zealand. But then when we start thinking about global e-commerce, even if you only ever built a plugin for Shopify, for example, 1.7 million Shopify websites globally, in the, and they're all around the world, pretty much everywhere outside of China. And when we start thinking of that, we, we're looking at so many different regulatory frameworks. We're looking at so many different tax regimes. We're looking at so many different currencies. We're looking at different different banking rails in each country for settlement and, and Forex. And just there's just so much that we're, we're thinking about here in terms of the level of complexity that kind of has to be built into the app model framework or even, even the plugin and even the gateway. There has to be a lot of plumbing that has to be built out to facilitate all of this in a seamless way for the consumer. And we saw that even with Afterpay, they started in Australia, AUD, then they slowly expanded one country at a time, one currency at a time. And it just takes, it took them a few years. And then they ultimately went with, I think, I think they're called ClearPay in the UK. And then they, of course, expanded in the United States. And now they're underneath Square's umbrella. And of course, that's allowing them to expand even faster because they're now effectively a feature of Square as opposed to a standalone platform or product. And I'm guessing you've thought of all of this stuff and you understand that there's a lot involved as you look to expand globally. Now, as you're staring down the barrel of this level of complexity, and, and obviously you haven't done this before, you're new to this, but you sound like a gun. You sound like you're a fast learner and you sound like you're super smart and switched on and you're picking this up as you go really super quickly. So I'm super impressed by it. But A, are you bootstrapped? B, are you looking to partner potentially with VCs who have experience in this space, who can open doors for you and make connections? Or are you saying, hey, I'm going to go this alone, and then uh, hopefully in five years, I'll have the same kind of exit that Afterpay had, but it'll, it'll just be us. Wow, that, a, a great question. There's so much to unpack there. I'm excited yeah. to, to have a go. Look, I'm a sponge. Uh, I'm, I'm here, to, here to enjoy the process. And really, Afterpay's had a, a large number of international struggles. We look at Afterpay's after play, uh, sorry, after play's playbook so much to, to see what they've done. The main things that we, we can see, yeah, absolutely, their their international expansion was hard for. And there was parts where they had to do, they had to do partnerships or that sort of thing. But in the end, just the fact that in five bill, uh, in five uh, years, they created a, a business that could be valued at thirty nine billion dollars. I think is testament to this fintech space. There's just something about it, it's not even necessarily the revenue, like the core revenue components, but it's also this extra value that you're bringing to the table as well. 
I'm really excited about that. We also acknowledge that uh, while it is like some of these international expansion points will be will be difficult, will be hard fought, it is becoming increasingly easier than ever. And our model really lends itself well to the, the crypto surge that we're seeing at the moment. And through the likes of NFTs, DeFi, all sorts of different um, things, we're seeing before our eyes, stable coins as well, tokenized purchases, we're seeing a lot of these barriers coming down as we go. And quite frankly, we like we want to be uh, at the forefront of that as it's getting easier and keeping uh, our finger right on the pulse of, of some of those things. Now, the other thing to mention is that my my co-founder or my, my first business partner is actually based in Indonesia, in Jakarta. He's a good friend that I met during my uni days in Christchurch. He's over there working at Tokopedia, which is one of the largest online travel agents in the world, soon going for their IPO, a unicorn, somewhere in the 2 billion plus valuation. And in Indonesia, group payments are very much a part of the social fabric. And so we said, hey, at the very least, if we just treat ANZ as this testing ground and then we eye up Southeast Asia, then that would be a great sort of plan, even just for those first two or three years. So all that to say, I think we're in an exciting time where uh, a lot of these a lot of the difficulties in handling payments at scale are coming down. And because we're not explicitly um, extending lines of credit, I, I believe it's going to get easier as well. And really, if you're aligned with one of the big payment platforms, Stripe, Adyen, or card issuing, Visa, that sort of thing, then a lot of those international expansion points are going to be going to be easier. Now, for the on the VC front, uh, we do have uh, a couple large VCs that are that we're in cahoots with right now. But <laughs> when I talk to my devs, they're like, nah, we can do this. And we do have a really stacked team that, that are, we're just building at 100 miles an hour right now. And But we do have an interest from several VC funds, both here and in Australia, that we will probably in a seed or series A round, we'll lean on heavily to, to help with some of that, that international um, expansion. Exciting, man. Sounds like you've, you've really done your homework. And it sounds like maybe you... Uh... Maybe you listen to this week in startups with Jason Calacanis, and you're following his uh, some of his playbooks. And you've obviously followed Nick and the boys over at Afterpay. And you really, you've been really smart. It feels beyond smart. And you look super young. You look 12. I wish I was. I wish I was as young as you. I'm. This weekend is my is my 47th birthday. By no means a spring chicken. And to go back, and if I could flick a switch and be as, yeah, I'm guessing you're in your your mid 20s. Yeah, 20, 28. Thanks for okay, saying a look okay, 12. Okay. So, 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 hey, hey, that's a massive compliment. At the end of the day, you, you, to have gotten to where you are this fast and this early and to have found this passion that you can sink your teeth into and you're going absolutely to, to use a Kiwi phrase, hammer and tongs at. And to, to use another Kiwi phrase, you're going after that market that maybe is a little bit skint in that they can, like you said, if you're a uni student, for example, but you want to get your friend a nice gift for their birthday, or you want to get a nice gift for a family member or something like that. But when you pull those resources together across you and a group of your friends or family, then all of a sudden you can buy something that's a little bit higher quality, maybe a little bit more expensive. Again, as you say, more sustainable. You're not buying something that's just a throwaway that they use it a couple of times and then it hits the rubbish bin and goes to landfill. But feels like you, you've not only picked up on this kind of social commerce aspect of things, but also the eco-consciousness that everybody is starting to bring to the table as consumers, this conscious, this idea of conscious consumption feels like it's very much a part of your core DNA as a business. And 
Look, man, I'm super impressed. I'm super, you're down in Invercargill, you're down in the, the bottom end of New Zealand where you're probably freezing your tail off still. And to, to have built this uh, and be halfway through the first, at least phase one of getting this thing to market from little old New Zealand, man, you're punching well above your weight. Congratulations. Thanks so much, Jesse. Yeah, it, it does mean a lot. And uh, you know, we stay humble and that's part of being from Invercargill as well is that you're, you always have the underdog status. I, I joke when I'm meeting with investors for the first time, they say, where are you from? I said, from the innovation hub of New Zealand, Invercargill. Uh, <laughs> and they usually get a good hearty laugh. But uh, I think it, it goes to show even the Stripe guys, right? They came from a, a town in Ireland and, and took over the world effectively. And, and we look to things like that. And it's just, a, it's an exciting thing. The sustainability piece is massive for us. We can definitely see a, a big push when we are heading out to consumers, save the world by together. Like that's probably going to be one of the big calls there because you know, young people love to be a part of that sort of thing. And it really, for us, we get two responses when we when we've shared this with consumers. One is, oh, okay. Yeah, I'd probably use that. It's probably not going to be too common. And the second is just this rabid, like they grab your top and say, why haven't you built this already? And that's really who we're building it for. And that's why for our, when we talk about our usage cases, just to give people a, a taste of, of what that is in the retail space, which we view as our beachhead, it would be for those birthdays, the wedding registries, baby showers, anniversary, co-worker gifts, family Christmas purchases. But then it's the other verticals that we're so excited about as well, about, as I mentioned before, event and concert tickets, tourism group spending, like a bulk buying discount, the utility bill splitting, group investment and collaborative ownership, even tracking something like a, a large asset that a number of people own and then tracking it as it depreciates in value and, and then allowing people to sell off, sell off their portion. The, the angles you can go with this are pretty exciting. So it's been a pleasure to share about it. Mate, it's exciting. This concept of a syndicate, whether the purchase be small or large, effectively, you're talking about a buying syndicate. That's You've effectively converted that that clunky process of putting together a buying syndicate and you've brought it under this really slick concept of a fintech that is automated and mobile first. And it's really exciting to think about where this could go. Now, I'm guessing that from a UX perspective that ultimately you'd like to, if I'm setting up a squad and I'm the what you call the organizer, um, at checkout, then I could nominate three or four mates. I could put in their email addresses, their phone numbers, whatever. And then you could start to take over some of the messaging, the push notifications, the in-app notifications, all that sort of stuff. If mm. you've got their contact details, then all of a sudden it allows you to grow more virally instead of just them emailing a link to friends or or slamming it around on DMs or whatever the case may be, where you're a little bit more out of the loop of that circle of friends that you then can remarket your services to, or at least bring them into the fold of your platform mm -hmm. and have their user data, at least in the platform, other than just their credit card data or whatever. It feels very much like in a perfect world, you would facilitate all that squad building right through your UIs and then also drive them to an app experience where you're going to be able to gather a lot more much, a lot more data about those individual users. And then uh, once they're part of the fold and if it's super easy to use and if you follow the same model that Afterpay has done, which is to effectively create a marketplace of, of mm. merchants that support that payment method then all of a sudden that becomes a hub in its own right where somebody that wants to use pay squad can go to your marketplace of merchants and say, Hey, look, I, I want to buy this gift, but I, I only want to buy it through a merchant that supports pay squad. It feels very much like this ultimately is going to end up being an app driven experience, but 
what's your thinking on that at, at the moment? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And there's a number of really uh, a, a number of inbuilt advantages to that for us, but also for merchants as well. When you've got with the group dynamic, if you've got someone going to let's say a Torpedo Seven and buying a kayak from there, there's a really good chance that other people in that group are going to be kayak enthusiasts or are going to be outdoor enthusiasts. If you think about the retargeting that's then possible there through the app, so suggesting to maybe other friends in that group to say, hey, we noticed that Bob's birthday is coming up. Have you thought about maybe getting him something from Torpedo 7? By doing that, we really are basically influencing decision. And because of that, we are bringing more value to the merchant as well. And really when it comes down to it, that's that, that's our path to, to solidifying our place in the market is having that opportunity and saying, hey, we actually created the sale for you. Wow, man, I'm hyped. I'm pumped. It's super exciting. I, I Is this the first podcast you've talked about Pay Squad on? It actually is. So thanks. You heard it here <laughs> first, folks. Uh, I feel super lucky and privileged because I can see this going um, gangbusters. And I'm going to refer back to this podcast as one of the seminal podcasts, hopefully in your history as a company, because I want to I want to just throw the gauntlet down and say, I think this thing has massive legs. I think this is an incredible opportunity. I think you're going about it super smartly the humility is and the positive intent behind this is a big draw card for me personally because uh, i like to think that that i operate at that level as well and I, I i like people that operate in the market with good intent i like people that are out there trying to do good things i i want to support those kind of people and i'm hoping mm -hmm. that this gets your name out there in fresh new ways that maybe just operating from Invercargill might be a little bit tough to do i'm super proud to have you on as your first podcast where you've talked about pay squad when do you think your initial MVP product will actually come out of kind of that first retail retailer merchant beta? When do you think you'll have a product that you think V1 or V V.1 is, is ready to go to market with? I think Q1 next year, you'll be able to see PaySquad popping up in a, a couple different stores that you may know. And from there, we'll be just kicking the flywheel off. There's, there's really a business model, I guess, that's more viral than one that invites friends to the occasion, friends, family, colleagues, and also is seen with an, a network effect on, on people's favorite e-commerce sites. We're excited to see where it goes. Bloody legend, Cam. Lo lovely to speak with you today. It's been an absolute joy and a pleasure. I wish you absolutely all the best. And I'm hoping that should you need connections with people in the industry, you run across some roadblocks or whatever, I would love it if you'd reach out to me. And, and I would like to do everything in my power to help you get the word out about your platform and, and to hopefully open a few doors for you with my network of amazing contacts in the e-com space. Sounds brilliant. Thank you so much for taking the time, Jason. Legend. No worries. Let's get you back on in another 12 months and, uh, or maybe even another six months. And let's, uh, let's see how far you've taken pay squad by that time. I really look forward to that. Sounds good. Lock it in. Thanks for listening to the at the Coalface podcast. If you want more at the Coalface, you can subscribe to our premium e-commerce and digital newsletter at the Coalface digest.